You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line drive, this game is over! Goodbye baseball, Mitch Hattiger. Ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. James Paxton has just thrown a no-hitter. The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the Now, ball. here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast, the final regular season podcast of the 2018 season. We'll have another one next week to kind of wrap things up. Mariners, three games left in the season starting tonight against the Rangers. Three games left in this 2018 season. Coming up on this podcast, we'll talk about Marco Gonzalez made his final start of the season in the game last night. Also, we'll hear from new Mariners reliever Matt Festa as Shannon Dreyer a chance to sit down with the rookie. And also, I think an interesting conversation with Ken Korak, the play-by-play voice of the Oakland A's. Incredible season for the A's as they're going into the postseason as he talks about you know, what happened this year. What was the difference for the A's? So that will come up in a few minutes as well. Also, an interesting conversation, and Aaron and I will chat about Edwin Diaz. Jason Stark uh, put out his regular season awards, including American League MVP, and you know, it's pretty interesting what his top ten look like in terms of MVP voting, so we're going to talk about that as well coming up. But last night, it was great to see Mariners lose 2 nothing to the Rangers. The positive, though, Clearly, Marco Gonzalez, who was excellent. Long hesitation now. The 3-2 pitch, and it's strike three called on the outside corner. A cutter, and Joey Gallo is caught looking, and that is strikeout number two for Marco Gonzalez. One away for the Rangers here in the top half of the second. And he just kept on rolling, blanking the Rangers through five. The stretch and the pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Well hit left center field. Going back to Groney's there and will make the catch for out number three. So Marco Gonzalez, when it's all said and done, five scoreless. So he ends the year with exactly a 4.00 ERA, 166 innings pitched, 145 strikeouts in that time, only 32 walks. An excellent season for Marco Gonzalez. And really, you take out that stretch right before he went on the disabled list. Kind of break down by month. And uh, the struggle in August in four starts, a 10.35 ERA. But you slice everything up in months past that. You know, he had a, a, a ridiculous May, a 2.30 and five starts. July in four starts, a 1.78. September ends things in four starts, a 1.71. You take out that chunk, and his ERA is under three and a half for the season. But and a, an excellent season coming back from Tommy John surgery and his first full season in the big leagues and a nice springboard heading into next year. Here's what Scott Service had to say after the ball game, after the Mariners lose 2-0. 
Yeah, Marco, that's as good as you won the last start there. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, really, really happy for him to come back. And the, the last four starts he had here at the end of the season were uh, exactly what he needed, um, I think, to, to go in the the off season, but really cap off a, uh, an outstanding year uh, for him. You know, he had a little hiccup there in August. He was kind of running on fumes, and then you know to come back from the, the neck issue he had and finish it off like he did. I think says a lot about him, and that's who he is. You know, uh, as a guy's kind of coming to his own this year, and we're really uh, going to continue to rely on him heavily going forward. It's been growth in a lot of different areas too, hasn't it? Yes, it really has. Uh, I think from just the pitch development, pitch sequencing, uh, understanding situations, uh, knowing when to dial it up uh, when he gets deeper in ball games. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's been the whole package. And uh, really excited uh, for him, uh, proud of him. Uh, you know, you never know. You come to a new team, you struggled a little bit last year, but you really can see the type of competitor he is. And when he's healthy, really, really good stuff. He's got his willingness to make changes and open to things that can help him. How much did that play into what he did? He had kind of a different repertoire almost in how he used it. Yeah, he, he was. He just wanted to get better, you know. And you take all the, you know, the information you get from pitching coaches, uh, the information you get from the, the data and what it says about your stuff and, uh, you know, understanding that what becomes your most effective pitches. And some nights this year, it really was his curveball. Other nights, most of the time, it was the changeup. The cutter became just a, a real weapon for him on both sides of the plate and, you know, using the fastball. And I've seen Marco for quite a while. He's, he's always been a good competitor and a really good athlete. So when you have a good athlete, smart, understanding you want to get better, willing to put the work in, good things can happen. You mentioned the fatigue in August. Getting him past 160 this year, is that something Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was the whole key of coming back. And a lot of people question, well, why would you even bring him back? No, it's, it's to finish the year strong, you know, get the innings number up there. And he's done it. He's gotten through an entire major league season now, pitched for six months. And, you know, he had a little hiccup, like I said, in August. And it's not something that we didn't uh, think, you know, we thought it might happen. And we were running him very hard early in the season. Um, and he was earning, earning the innings. And, and it was looking so strong. But uh, again, it, it's big mark to, to get the number up there on the innings pitch, the number of starts, you know, only make him better in the future. He struggled last year when did you know that it was going to be better? Oh, uh, you know, when people are good for a really long time, they tend to be continue to be good. And I say that from an amateur level to you know, where he was drafted. Uh, this is a guy that pitched in, in, in a playoff game very, very early in his career in St. Louis. So uh, there was a lot of good stuff in there. I think, you know, really when we got to spring training this year and you knew right away just watching how he was going about his business and, and making adjustments, I felt really good when we left spring training. This guy's going to surprise a lot of people this year. And he really did step up. Not just the, you know, the production, but you know, like you said, the innings and the finish that's strong. And that excite you about next year, too, seeing you build off of that going Very much so. Uh, it does excite me going forward. Like I said, we're going to lean on him heavily. Uh, he's earned that right. And uh, I think there's a lot in there as far as, you know, what he brings to a pitching staff is, you know, he's got a chance to be a leader type as well. Uh, and not that he's a big, big vocal guy, uh, being a younger guy in our clubhouse, but actions speak louder than words. And when he's on the mound, he does have that bulldog mentality. And, yeah, I like seeing it. The flip side, the offense is just not there today. That would be a flip side. <laughs> yes. Uh, the offense was not there tonight. Uh, you know, we didn't do much at all. Um, you know, Harado, we, we'd seen him earlier. Um, you know, certainly had a good sinking fastball. We had a lot of balls on the ground tonight, but uh, really just, you know, didn't get into a lot of at-bats, didn't square him up. You know, we didn't do anything all night. 
That catch by Negron, though, he's shown some versatility. He's really a good athlete. Um, it's been fun to kind of move him around in the field. They'll probably be out there again tomorrow in a different position and trying to find out more about him. But uh, very good athlete. Uh, he can finish plays. We've certainly seen him do it a number of times in the outfield. And you know, we want to continue to look at him here in the last three or four games. There was. That's the skipper mostly talking about Marco Gonzalez, his finish to the season. Coming up tonight, Wade LeBlanc, his final start of the campaign. He has a chance. He goes five innings to get qualified this year, which is impressive considering he didn't join the rotation until the beginning of May. James Paxton will make his final start on Saturday, 6-10 first pitch, and then TBA on Sunday, the finale of the season, 12-10. And again, we'll talk. I'll kind of wrap things up coming up next week on a podcast. Right now, we're going to talk a little Edwin Diaz. G-Man, uh, one of our favorite writers, and I think everybody's favorite writer, one of them in baseball, Jason Stark of The Athletic, came out with a really interesting piece, as he often does, talking about American League MVPs, and it was uh, well, very interesting, uh, a Mariner who made that list. You know, it, it is interesting because it's a topic we've been kicking around quite a bit, and there's kind of that group at the top of, like, six that, you know, you move around and, and different people have them in different spots. But it's interesting to see him as he kind of peeled away the bats, trout, J.D. Martinez gets past that group, and you get to 10. Edwin Diaz is on his list at number 10, which I think is incredibly significant. I, I think right now we're at a time where a closer is not going to win the Cy Young Award and is not going to win the MVP unless it's just extraordinary circumstances. But And a down year by other people. Yes, yes. They have to be beyond elite, yes. and everybody else and has to be else. kind of just above average. That's right. For Edwin Diaz, in a year where there are ridiculous years going on in the American League, for him to crack a top 10 in a respective writer like Jason Stark, I think makes a grand statement about the kind of year that he has had and the significance he has had to the Mariners this season. Wouldn't you think that if the Mariners made the playoffs, even if that was just the wild card game, that is the postseason after all, that it becomes really more of an actual topic of conversation, right? Like right now, Agreed. and right now this is kind of cute, right? That that in this article, which is not the voting, let's make that clear sure. as it is. Right. But that a respected writer sees the significance of Diaz to this club this season because if the Mariners were playing in, in meaningful games towards October, well, the Mariners would probably be in some close games and Diaz would continue to do what he has done essentially all season long. It'll be fascinating when this season is over with he gets both MVP and Cy Young votes. I know. Even just a vote, right? Which to me is significant. Even getting any votes sure. at all I think is a, is a big statement on the year he had. And it's recognition of, you know, this goes beyond just the saves number. This Absolutely. goes beyond that. This is Because people will want to poo-poo the save. Right. This speaks to his dominance this year, the strikeout totals, how he's gone about it, and also the unique circumstance of being placed in so many one-run opportunities and really only blowing a couple, and the Mariners end up winning those games anyway. The fact that he was so lights out in those situations where there was no margin for error at all, and at a time where the Mariners, you know, going into July, fourth best record in baseball, and he was such a huge part of it because their margin was so thin. It's something we talked about so often in the first half of the season. It's been an incredible season for him, and that would be awesome if he got votes on both sides of the ledger for both the MVP and the Cy Young. And now Shannon Dreyer with Matt Festa. 
Shannon Dreyer here in the dugout catching up with Matt Feston. I mean catching up. It seems like sometimes things go almost whirlwind. We've seen you for a little bit, but uh, first chance to get to you. Let's take it all the way back to your debut. I remember you showed up in Colorado. You were very excited. We talked to you before. Didn't talk to you after. What was that moment like when you took the field? Uh, kind of how you described it. It's been a whirlwind every, every time I go out there. Um, just trying to absorb it all, but also stay calm and confident out there, just like I would any other level. Um, but it's, it's been amazing so far. You get into that game, what are guys telling you before you go into that? Um, before that, I'm just trying to pick their brains and ask them, you know, specific stuff that apply to the game, like are first pitch swingers, are they 1-1 count swingers, what do we got? And They just kind of said, listen, it's still baseball at the end of the day, go out there and, and pitch your stuff and it's going to play. You've had some time to settle in now. You've seen the routines. You've seen the preparation that guys do. What's something that's helped you since you've been up? Um, just picking the veterans' brains about, you know, not trying to do too much out there. And, uh, you know, I've been just trying to apply that every day in my throwing program before the game and especially out there on the mound. Um, and it's all about executing at the end of the day. You know, everyone's got great stuff, and these hitters are amazing. But when it comes down to executing a pitch, you'll be successful. You're on the positive side of the field as a pitcher. When you get up on the hill, are you seeing individuals out there, or are you just seeing batters? When I first came up, <laughs> I always ran into the trouble of looking at whoever I was facing and you know, getting a little starstruck. So now I've made it a point to kind of keep my hat low enough so that I only see uh, Mike or Freitas or Herman's signs, their location of the mitt, and that's all I'm focusing on. I don't want to look at the hitter at all. Just don't even give them any... <laughs> Was there something? I won't ask you that. I'll ask you that off the air. Who really kind of got you up there? Uh, with Mike behind the plate, he's got so much experience. I would imagine once you kind of put yourself in his hands, it's kind of easy. Yeah, uh, I like to you know bounce some ideas off of Mike, and he's very open-minded. Um, likes to hear what I got to offer because we're, we're still trying to fill each other out. But um, when I'm out there, he makes it easy. Yeah, the unique opportunity of getting to start or open a game. What did you, how did you get told that, and when? Did, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, well, I got told that uh, right after the, the game before, Scott came up to me in the locker room and kind of like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, uh, whatever you need me to do. And he's like, well, would you like to start? And I almost, like, hugged him, but, I, you know, I wasn't going wasn't to hug Scott. But uh, uh, it was grateful for the opportunity, and um, I kind of handled it as well as I could. As a reliever, stick to my routine. Don't try and treat it as a start because I'm not a starter. And um, I just had a lot of fun out there competing. Those bullpen days have been fun to watch and, and pretty effective. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the game's kind of just moving towards that way. I, I know it's difficult for hitters to have to readjust to a new arm every time you get out there. So, you know, when when you need it for the team, the bullpen can, can pick it up. Uh, good ending to the year for you. You're here. That's a, a great place to be. But you also did some good things in the minor leagues this year. And minor league awards have been given out. You were the Jamie Moyer award winner. Uh, you came from the Arkansas AA team. We had Dan Wilson up on our pregame show yesterday, and he kind of pointed out some of the things that team did. Really nice run. It was. Um, I loved I loved Arkansas. I loved my teammates. It was my second year kind of with the same group of guys, and we just, you know, we, we meld together. And a lot of talented bats up there. Carletta really broke out this year, and he ended up winning an award, and obviously playing with all those guys. It's just it's so much fun. Joey's going to be here on Friday, too. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, Joey kind of really opened a lot of eyes this year. I know as, as a teammate, uh, seeing him develop was just awesome. Just turned into, like, an absolute beast in AA and just 
terrorizing hitters, um, but he's got a great character, great work ethic, and uh, I'm glad to see him be rewarded for it. He won uh, the league hitter of the year, yes. and you're a pitcher. I mean, tell us what the other pitchers would be seeing from him at the plate. Uh, well, I got to see him on a daily basis, so I, I kind of got to pick apart his swing, but <laughs> I know when it came down to those road opponents, they had nightmares, you know, uh, even if he got into like a tough count, you know, if you made that mistake at any point of that bat, he was going to hurt you and hurt you big. Braden Bishop also uh, won the Dan Wilson Community Service Award. We know Braden pretty well, but he's got to be an inspirational teammate, I would think. Oh, God, I love Braden. Uh, my first year was with him last year, and it's where you don't really have those captain roles in the minor leagues or in professional baseball these days, but Braden is as close to a captain as, like, I see it. I, like, I just want to be like him every day on the field, and he makes you, he makes you perform better on the field and off the field. Lastly for you, what do you take from this season? Um... What do I take from the season? I don't know. Can I take it all? Like, <laughs> I, I've loved every moment. I, I just, I'm out here just enjoying life, smiling every day, having fun, showing up to the yard, and just, just being around the guys. It's amazing, and I love traveling and seeing all these, these amazing ballparks. All right. Well, hey, it's been great having you up here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Let's talk some A's with the voice of the Oakland A's, Ken Korak. Getting some insight on the A's with broadcaster Ken Korak. And, Ken, I'm looking at you right now. You're bundled up. You know how to dress this time of the year. And you're also, from what I understand, everybody packed for about two weeks. You don't know where you're going the well, next couple of weeks. You're right, Shannon. First of all, it's a beautiful night here. I mean, this is we love coming to Seattle, as you guys know. But it was one of those unusual road trips where we knew we were going here and then to Anaheim, which is where the A's go after the game today, and then, it looks like the A's will wind up in New York a week from today for the wild card game. That's still, still a little bit of a question about that. But then if you win that game, then you go to Boston. So uh, initially it looked like a, maybe a two-city trip and then back to Oakland. And now it looks like at least three cities and maybe four. You know, in talking to people about this team this year, it seemed early on they're like, they're a year away. Or in spring t- training, you're talking they're a year away. And, man, you shorten that calendar pretty quickly. What did you see and when did you know that they could be on the right path here? It's a great question because they were two games under 500 on the 15th of June. And like you said, Shannon, we thought that this group eventually would become a contending ball club because the foundation was there with uh, – some of these guys that came up in the minor leagues together, like Chapman and Olsen, the guys at, at third and first, but they just start, you know, they played really well on the road, and I think that was one of the signs that they could handle almost any situation. And then the bullpen developed, and Blake Trinan, as you guys know, has been lights out as their closer. I think the biggest thing for me is that they got a lot more athletic this year. Uh, their defense is better than it's been. I can't remember the as having a, a better defensive team than this. Yeah, Simeon is really, I think, uh, turning things around. Tell us a little bit about uh, Edwin Jackson, what he's meant to that starting staff, and then the additions of Fernando Rodney and Jerice Familia to go along with those other two guys, Trevino and Trinan. Well, Rick, they've really they've gone out and they've gotten pitchers from all over the place, Mike right? Fires, and they've they brought Brett Anderson and Trevor Cahill back to the club. Yeah. Fires joined the team in August from the Tigers, and and Jackson. You know, you can look at him and say, well, he's been, what's wrong with him? He's been with 13 teams. I look at it the other way and say a lot of teams have wanted him yeah. because he's, he is a great guy. And he's wonderful in the clubhouse. He's a, he's a great influence. Um, and as he is going to postseason, he's one of the guys who's, who has experience pitching in the World Series. So he's, he's, and he's pitched really well. I mean, he's, this yeah. is the best he's pitched maybe in three or four years. 
and uh, he has a he has a great impact on the young players in the clubhouse as well. This may be. I was going to just real quick. Yeah. Can, uh, first baseman, third baseman, Chapman, Olson, really like them, but Loriano's been a big difference in center field, right? I don't remember any, a rookie joining the A's in the second half to make that kind of an impact like Loriano has, and people throw around five tool player loosely. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't apply with a lot of people that get that label. I think he is legitimately a five tool player. He embodies what I mentioned earlier, Dave, about getting more athletic. And for the A's, and I think all the teams in this division would say the same thing. If to compete with the Astros, you have to have impactful players, guys who can make plays, and, and he's one of those guys. A's have a lot of players making plays this year. I mean, Trinan is having an all-time season out of the bullpen. Chapman, I think, should get MVP votes. He's been that good this year. Chris Davis having a massive year. With all that being said, you watch the team every day. If you had to choose an A's MVP this year, who would you pick? Uh, that is an awesome question. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think Chris Davis should get more notice. Uh, you know, he's getting, he's got a chance still to hit 50 home runs, and he hits big home runs. He hits them the other way. Tell you, one of the unsung guys on the club has been Lowry uh, yeah. because he has a profound influence on the rest of the players, the way that he his approach is the same every time. It doesn't matter if it's a 15 to nothing game or a 2-1 to one game in the ninth inning. Uh, he, he really works the count, and he, you know, he, he can go from 0-2 to 3-2. Uh, he does it all the time. But if I, if I was going to pick one guy, I guess I'd start with, with Davis, although Chapman has been sensational. And I'm glad you mentioned Trident. I think he's legitimately a Cy Young candidate. He doesn't yeah. get any notice from that standpoint. But, yeah. man, I don't think there have been – Edwin Diaz has been great here, but yeah. I don't think Trident there, – there aren't that many relievers who have put together the, the kind of year that he has. Last question. If they go far in the playoffs, what's going to carry them? Well, I, that's, you've got to, when you get to the postseason, and the A's have had so much disappointment over the years and the time that I've been with the club, and, and you've got to make all the plays. Uh, the postseason, you're, not, you're, you're likely not to have a 14-10 to 10 game, right? You, you, you really have to – there's an emphasis on defense, the little things, moving runners. Yeah. Uh, making all the plays defensively. Your bullpen has to be good. I don't know how they're going to play it because the A's are one of the teams that has gone to the, the opener right. concept, and I guess they, they might even do that on Wednesday. So I don't think that they'll be intimidated by going to Yankee Stadium. I think they'll be fine with that. But, boy, you've really got to tighten it up, and all the little things uh, become really important in the postseason. Well, postseason is always exciting, and the A's in it, yeah. no doubt, will be an exciting part of that, too, yeah. in baseball. We've seen them play. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. It's great to be with you. <laughs> Kenny, good it's luck, always man. Great. Good to see you. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Congratulations, buddy. It's Ken Gorek right. from the Oakland A's broadcast team, and uh, they'll head from here to Anaheim. Then they've got a game uh, to play with the New York Yankees, most likely in New York, and then they'd like to head on to Boston. We will certainly see what happens there.